Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Edit Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. So, Dean, um, I don't think most of us really thought a lot about um, how we get things that we buy, like where they actually mm. came from, how they oh. got to the stores that we right. bought them from. Yes, no. And then that, you know, pesky COVID thing came <laughs> along. That came around, yeah, that yeah. Five-letter word. And exposed like the say. supply chain, you know, and, and, and everybody freaked out. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Learning, oh, my gosh, where does all this stuff actually come from? So someday we're going to tell our grandchildren about, you know, the, the, the hunt for you know, Lysol cleaning wipes and toilet paper, <laughs> you know, canned green beans, yes, you know, the, yes. the stuff that, that took us forever to get. So yeah, let's never do that again. Yeah. Kind yeah. of, we kind of expose that little razor's edge <laughs> that retail supply chain seems to, well, seems it's to a, work on. it's a wonderful machine. It is. When you think about it in the aggregate, it's just un- mind-boggling. Exactly. Yeah. But let's yeah. be honest, even pre-pandemic, things were starting to shift and change. Oh, sure. Customer expectations were changing. Oh, yes. So the way stuff had to get where it needed to mm. go and how customers were going to receive it's been changing. I see. And we've talked a lot about on this show about, about some of that. I think we've talked a lot more maybe front of house than even mm-hmm. back of house. Mm-hmm. But this episode, we're going to talk a little more about the, the back side of things. Oh, the, nice. The re- yes. The warehousing side. Where the real retail. work gets done, the fulfillment. Shall we say. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> The folks that are making sure that you get that can of green uh, beans, yes. you get those Lysol wipes. They've been time, under a little so. pressure over the last couple of years. A little pressure, just a little, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we got a couple of guests with us from Zebra. We got Tim Kane and John Worthland. They're going to talk to us a little bit about the whole warehouse fulfillment process. Nice. What's changed from their point of view? What okay, they're, what they're seeing on the operational back back side as well as front of the house. Do we get a crystal ball? Uh, are they going to talk to us about what's coming? Uh, maybe. maybe. I don't know. You know, we'll we'll maybe leave that's that the up curve to them. Ball I yeah. Throw them. yeah, yeah. We're going to get into some <laughs> trends. There's a cool little ebook that Zebra wrote that's got some trends nice. about retail Okay, well, there you go. Okay, trends. So trends are good. Yep. We'll go through some of that stuff. We're going to talk about, like, visibility, mm. you know, how to empower employees. Okay. All that good stuff. Good, good. So we got good. lots of good good talking ways to get through today. I like it. All that plus our usual value to the VAR. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today, we have two of them with us, actually. I'm going to start off with uh, Tim Kane. He is a retail subject matter expert for Zebra. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself, how you got to your role, you know, what experience you have with retail in the background. Well, thank you, and it's great to be here. Um, my role is I've been working in the uh, retail sales or sales management space for many years and started my career quite a while ago with IBM. And I've always worked with large retailers across North America. Uh, also spent some time with Symbol Technologies, who some of you might know was uh, a company that eventually ended up getting acquired by Zebra. And then about six years ago, I took this role at Zebra, which has been fantastic. I get an opportunity to work with all of our retail customers across North America, really talking about trends that are impacting their initiatives. So this podcast is perfect because there are some major trends out there that have really had an impact on the retailer and specifically on the supply chain. So I'm looking forward to talking to you. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Very glad good. to have you here. Yep. Yeah. I think I've mentioned before my old retail days, I used the old symbol yes. mobile computer yes. scanner yes. for, yes. you know, for device, big giant bulky gray thing. <laughs> 
but it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked yeah. really they're, well. They're yeah. a lot cooler and sleeker now, but they, yeah. you know, it worked. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, our other guest today is John Worthland. He is the warehousing and supply chain SME for Zebra. So we're, we're getting both angles. There here. you we go. The, nice. The retail expert. And we've got the warehousing supply chain side. So same question for you, John. You know, Tell us a little about your background, how you got to where you are. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, so I actually started my career, believe it or not, as a medic in the Air Force back in the 80s um, and then ended up going into uh, medical logistics. And I was going to school for business information systems at the same time. So in the early 90s, I had a captain that said, hey, I want you to you know, run the, the batch process that we have every, you know, every night for the for the warehouse. And also once you figure out how to do EDI and and ad hoc reports, and I said, what the heck are you talking about? So. Um, not only did I learn logistics early on, but I also learned how to extract different master files, you know, from the, you know, on five and a quarter inch disks. So, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a couple of your users out there that, you know, listeners out there that know what that is. Hey, we know what but, that um, is. We know what that is, John. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're older right. than we look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have something to put your, you know, if you run out of coasters. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I did lots of consulting in that area. And then I've been in um, different areas of program management on the IT infrastructure side and, and also application development. And actually, uh, for a part of my career, I was with uh, ConAgra Foods. And uh, about 20 years ago, we were um, building uh, mixing centers instead of brand-centric warehouses. So I was actually a customer and responsible for working with Symbol to figure out what kind of you know products we we're going to put in those new warehouses. So it's come full circle, and, and now I'm... I really enjoy the the work that I've been doing here. I've been here about two and a half years at Zebra, and I'm enjoying kind of connecting the dots with our customers and figuring out what relevant solutions, you know, are, are applicable to what their needs are, you know, not only, you know, tactically, but also where their business are trying to go to in the next three to five years. I love the journey that people go through and I get into too. this industry. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for your service, by the way, John. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, love the medical side of it, too, because yeah. you want to talk about a supply chain where Ooh, you've got to have man. what you need, where you need it, when you need it. 100%. Anything yeah. on the medical side there, that's 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 pretty high demand. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean the medicine shipment got lost in South <laughs> yeah. Dakota? No. What do you mean we don't have needles, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't, can't afford that. that kind can't of stuff. Can't do that stuff. No. Well then, let's let's talk about this. Yeah, and obviously, again, we've got this breadth of knowledge here in front of us here. So let's let's talk about the retail warehousing side mm, of things and yeah. the fulfillment piece in particular. Yep, yep. Because again, I you know we we talk a lot about front of the house, and we've also talked a lot about supply chain and warehousing in general. But mm -hmm. you know, there's some very unique uh, aspects and challenges to retail warehousing and retail fulfillment in particular. A lot of it driven by folks like yeah, us. Us, yes. Just want, all those pesky customers that want, have high yeah. demands. Yes. We want what we want. We want it now. We yeah. want it wherever we feel like we need it. You know? That's right. So, so tell us a little bit more about it. Let's talk about you know. Again, we know we know that where and how customers are shopping. That's changed quite a, quite dramatically over the I'd say the last decade mm, in total, mm -hmm. but especially obviously in the last four or five years. How has that changed things on the backside though? When you're going to the retail supply chain warehousing side of things, how's it changed their operations? Tim, why don't you kick us off here? Sure, uh, it it's changed it a lot, and I think as you mentioned, it, the really big factor before COVID was Amazon, and Amazon reset expectations that you could get what you want when you wanted it and wherever you wanted it, and that really got exacerbated when COVID kicked in because. And then we had people that had to shop through Amazon or had to shop online, and it created tremendous problems in the supply chain for a number of reasons. First of all, it was hard to get product. 
and it was hard to get labor. In the in the past, with labor, if you had, you could always throw labor at a problem, and that's what retailers and retail warehouses did. They they would just hire more labor to fix the problem they had. But with COVID, you couldn't do that. And the other thing that exposed was the fact that if you had somebody who placed an online order, it was very easy for you to lose them as a customer if you didn't fulfill their order. And many retailers really didn't know what their inventory looked like because the supply chain was such a mess. Their warehouses were down as far as not being able to get the people they needed to service the the customer demand. And the inventory levels were such that they were fluctuating almost daily, depending on the product that you were looking at. So it created tremendous disruption in the warehouse uh, in the warehouse sector. John, what would you add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with everything Tim said. I think um, the expectations of a customer and, and the different delivery methods um, are probably what was key, uh, as, along with the with the labor shortages. So. Um, retail had two main challenges, right? They had to, to meet new demands and new ways of servicing the customer, but with less people. Um, so, you know, have to do more with less. I mean, we have all heard that term throughout our life, but, you know, it, when we have new, new shoppers <laughs> or existing shoppers that are doing things differently, I always use the excuse, you know, I visited my, my mom, um, you know, she was 84 at the time in St. Louis during the middle of the COVID and, she was on her phone and I couldn't figure out why she was on her phone, not tech savvy at all. And she's like, well, I'm ordering my stuff from Walmart. I'm like, you don't even know how to pull up your kids' pictures when I send them to you. How are you ordering stuff from Walmart? You know, and it, it kind of hit me, you know, that, you know, not only was she more savvy in a new entrant, a new kind of, you know, group of people that were entering the e-commerce market, but they were getting smarter about it. You know, they, she always said, you know, she said, yeah, I went there, I ordered this and I was, they're supposed to bring it out and they didn't have it. So I had to go somewhere else, you know, and I think that's also what was really um, key here was that not only were there different delivery methods, but the retailers and the supply chain had to be very accurate about what was in store so that, you know, it was very easy for a customer to look online and say, oh, you didn't have it. I'm going to go from retailer A to retailer B and maybe I'll keep going to retailer B. So it became not only a competitive nature, but, you know, I think it increased, you know, where we got our toilet paper, you know, when we needed it at that time. Absolutely. And, and I think, oh, go ahead, Tim. Yep. Yeah. And John makes a great point that the accuracy of the inventory became so much more important. And we're seeing that today where customers are really trying to figure out how do I get my inventory levels, first of all, at the right level? And then how do I get the inventory where it should be, when it should be? And they've gotten into the situation where the customer expects a seamless transaction with their with their retailer, whether it be online or in store. Meaning that if I order something that you show on your website, I expect it to be delivered. And if I go into the store looking for a product, I expect it to be there. And now the customer has so much more power because if it's not there, there are so many alternatives. Hundred percent. I got a couple statistics I'd like to throw on the table because I, I think it kind of starts to get towards you know how things have changed mm -hmm. so dramatically uh, there. Well, first off, uh, here's a stat for you: in 2020, an estimated 18 percent of all retail sales happened online. 
Wow. Uh, and that number is estimated to go up to 22% by 2024. So there you have it. A quarter of all retail is happening online. And I don't see right? that number going down anytime soon. No. It's, it's, gonna, no. it's just yeah. going to keep moving up. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. But for online retailers, the average cost to fulfill an order is 70% of the value of the average order value. Oh, wow. So if it's a $10 you know, order, $7 of that is towards the fulfillment the fulfillment cost. Right, so right. when I talk, when I was mentioning, you know, just the, the the demand to get even hyper efficient behind the scenes in in an online retail environment or just a retail environment. I think that you know Tim and John have done a great job of already exposing some of the areas uh, right in visibility and mm-hmm. inventory mm-hmm. and visibility and stuff like that. But when you start quantifying it, there's real dollars at play here, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and the trend that is not going away that more and more of that is happening on an online environment. Yeah, right? and so I, clearly. I think those statistics too kind of speak to a clash that you're seeing with mm. what what the retailers themselves mm-hmm. want to get out of this or what they want to happen. Like, you know, if if it's costing seven dollars out of every ten just in order to make the where the fulfillment process happen behind the scenes, yep. Yep. and clearly in their mind they're probably thinking we'd really rather people actually be showing up in stores, mm-hmm. you know, and, and or you know or coming as direct to us as possible to minimize the amount of money that's spent on that back end trying to get stuff where people want it. Yeah. So if that's the case, and then we, the consumer again, are also the ones that are like, but no, I want more of the rapid, quick fulfillment to my door mm-hmm. so I don't have to go to the store. That's a huge clash that's happening there where you've got two sides that are kind of competing against mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. in, in what they want to get out of this whole situation. <laughs> and I and know, I'm not, yeah, go ahead. Well, go I'll ahead. Say, I know a lot of people complain, you know, it used to bemoan the Amazon effect, especially when Amazon was the dominant right. kind of online yeah. store yeah, for yeah, a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. there and no one else was really playing there yet or figured out how to. But it was also one of those things that once you once you uncorked that bottle, once you let that genie out, you mm-hmm. weren't going to put it back. Mm-hmm. No one was going to be like, "Yeah, never mind. I'll go. Well, just let's shutter Amazon. Let's just all go back to the stores." <laughs> I don't and, like the convenience. Yeah, exactly. I don't like I, it, yeah. We're not going. I don't need to do that anymore. It wasn't going to happen. So everybody else just had to catch up at some point, whether you like it or not. And I get that it's still a conflict. But mm-hmm. what else were you going to say? Well, I was just going to I was going to ask these guys. You know, when you think back a house, I, I got a couple more things to, to just kind of put on the table here, real quick. In an e-commerce set products are manually handled 20 times or more, wow. right? So when you think about that, I mean, just think about the transformation that's kind of happened back a house mm-hmm. and just reacting to the online environment. I'm not going to bring up the nasty phrase of reverse logistics. <laughs> we can we can get into that. I love that's to have a different your, podcast, probably. <laughs> I'd love to have the, your take on reverse logistics, right? So I mean, fulfillment's getting it out, but then what about when it starts coming back? Right, right. And dealing with that, we've we've had that. So. Anyway, guys, you know, or uh, maybe comment on, you know, just what's happened in the warehouse in the back. John, maybe you're the better one to talk about that. Just some of the transformation that we're seeing, even down to the SMB level, right, of fulfilling orders at at the small to medium-sized retailer, right? They have to compete with the Walmarts of the world, too. Right. Well, I think it's interesting. Um, You know, we we tend to approach, you know, Zebra and and our, our partners tend to approach a customer and look at them, you know, kind of with blinders on. But this whole movement has forced us to look at the supply chain holistically. And, and you know, the big retailers are, are starting to mandate, you know, how labels are put on, on products from their, from their source. And even, you know, starting to mandate, you know, RFID in, on, on those products so that they can really track and understand where those products are throughout the supply chain, where they are in the, you know, their inventory and in order to meet those, you know, those demands that we're talking about. And it, it's funny, you know, three or four years ago, RFID and retail would never have been mentioned in the same sentence. 
But I think, you know, those technologies have um, have improved so much and the cost has come to a point where, you know, people always ask me, you know, well, how, how can Walmart, you know, I mean, if Walmart's doing it, well, how much does a tag cost? And well, I say, you know, you know, I don't tell them how much it is, but I said, you know, if they're putting on every carton of underwear, then you're probably they're probably seeing a value out of it. You know, and if if an organization like Walmart and Target and some of our other customers are seeing that value add, then, you know, that sort of visibility is is needed or they wouldn't be making that investment. For yeah, sure. Definitely. Yep, yep. Well, so let's let's get into this uh, ebook that Zebra has put out. Uh, it's called Three Trends Shaping a Retail Fulfillment. Um, mm. We have it currently available on on Blue Star Nation. I'll I'll talk a little bit more later about how you can find it if you, if anybody wants to take a look at that and download it because there's going to be a lot more interesting stuff there too. But either of these three trends, the first one is exceeding customer expectations. And John, you kind of hinted at that just there a little bit of you know one of the ways that we can you know potentially help out with that. But let's talk about the, about that. Uh, what are some of the solutions, some of the technologies? that can help retailers really meet this increased demand? Like, what are we looking at here in order to make sure that the, the customer expectation side of things is fulfilled? How do, we, how do we help our retail warehousing partners get there? Well, I think, you know, um, from a warehouse perspective, I'll, I'll just talk about two things and I'll, I'll turn it over to Tim as far as the front of the store, if you will. And that, but they connect, right? And we're realizing that manufacturers and, you know, supply chain and stores have a relationship. I mean, our customers have known that all the time, but you know, I, I think us as a technical, you know, technology community are are becoming more aligned with that. But um, the use of, you know, RFID to locate products and understand where our counts are and service, you know, service levels are, you know, different areas is extremely important. And then what's also important is, you know, using robotics to move product around, you know, in larger fulfillment areas, um, there's a lot of non-productive foot traffic of people picking orders and putting them on carts you know, in bins and then pushing those carts through these massive warehouses. And we're seeing a, a really huge increase in robotics, especially with our Fetch Robotics acquisition we did about a year and a half ago. Um, we're seeing a lot of fulfillment, not only at the each level, but even at the pallet and large carton level where, you know, robots are being used to, um, you know, take out that non-productive foot traffic and let the people work on, you know, concentrate on the picking and selecting and then letting the robots move the product around to where it needs to go. And that really, I think, helps, especially when you're trying to locate something quickly where, you know, you have situations where you may have a distribution center that's even connected to stores in some industries where, you know, somebody's sitting in the lobby and, and they have a turnaround time that says, hey, if you come in and we have it in stock, we'll give it to you in so many minutes or even turn it around to you, you know, if you come to the actual uh, distribution center in X amount of time. Well, <laughs> You know, people are really hoping it to try and make that work, and robotics are starting to help with that. And, and if you extend from the distribution center into the store, and you know, how do you meet and exceed customer expectations there? One of the first things you do is, you know, when the order gets there, how do you verify what's on the order? Today, we're seeing a lot of retailers doing manual verification. You know, they'll open the carton up, they'll scan the items, they'll put them on the shelf. It, that's not going to cut it going forward because you have to run your stores. You're talking about, you know, the, the increase in costs associated with online orders. And in order to address that cost and to get at that cost, you have to run your stores a lot more efficiently, which means getting the right inventory there at the right time. So you, you don't want to be taking in excess inventory, spending time getting it on the shelf only to disappoint a customer because it's in the back room and it hasn't gotten to the, it hasn't gotten to the floor. 
So RFID is something that can help there. The other thing that's really helpful inside the store is just giving the, re the uh, associates the tools they need to do their job. And, you know, Zebra has done really well in providing the handheld mobile computers to the, uh, to the store associates so that they have the information they need when they need it to help the customers have a, a really successful and enjoyable uh, journey through the store. Nothing worse yeah, than, and, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, yep. Just to add, to, I mean, barcoding is, is still the most relevant, you know, technology, capture technology that we have. Um, but what we're also finding is that I think the retail industry, you know, I'm seeing, you know, uh, labeling, you know, standards coming from the, the source supplier into the distribution center, into the store, you know, becoming more standardized. But we're seeing two, two gamuts where a supplier may provide, you know, the distribution center of a, of a, of a retailer with no labeling on a product. So they literally have to open them all up um, to, you know, the extent of, you know, a Walmart where that labeling of barcoding or even RFID is already there and they're getting those electronic ship notices back and forth so that they can receive quicker and they can put that information in there, um, you know, using GS1 standards, which is a whole nother subject for another time. But I think you're going to see this industry starting to adopt those standards so that they can, you know, quickly receive product in, into their systems and, and um, not have to, you know, put all the labels on themselves. You know, there's going to have to be some of that um, efficiency gains in order to keep up with this increased demand. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the expectations, right, what are the oh, customers' yeah. expectations? <laughs> I, I'm going to throw some stats at you. I'm going, going back into the online world. 38% of online shoppers will abandon their order if the delivery is going to take longer than a week. So, wow. you know, if you're, a, if you're a retailer out there and you don't have inventory visibility, you know, uh, to Tim's point, I mean, you, you're not going to be able to compete. I mean, if you... Well, I mean, I don't even know. How would you set that up if you don't have inventory? Like, well, just tell people it's going to be maybe about a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it to yeah, you there. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. you got to be accurate, right? You, you do. You have yeah. to be accurate because if you can get that down to uh, four to five days or less than three, right. then now you only have 8% of people that right, are abandoning right. it. So I mean, it's dramatic, right? right? If you want to compete in that world, you have to have inventory visibility uh, so that you can get it there. And then I like where you're going on the in-store experience as well. So of course, when, you know now if you're going to spend the time to go into the retail establishment, you you want the experience. We've talked about that, but also if there's happened, don't you like the shirt or you like whatever it is, but they don't have the right size? Uh, mobilizing the the associates so mm -hmm. that they can mm -hmm. check inventory of other stores or whatever, and they can facilitate the shipment to your home in real time. Th this is how retail is going to. This is the behavior of right. retail right. and the expectation, if you will. I mean, once again, as we always keep saying the the consumer is not going to change their attitudes. Right. No. Like, it's no only matter, getting worse. No matter how much you don't like it, no matter how much it might frustrate you that they're mm -hmm. demanding things faster and yeah. here, oh, Especially there, the younger generation. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Like, it's, yeah. it's not going to change. So it's either you adapt to it or just give up, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Get out of retail. It, it, exactly. Or, or if you just want to be that retailer that just says, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to be the one that gets you what you need when you want, where you want it. You know, hopefully my product's good enough that you're going to shop with us anyway. Fine. Yep. But stake your claim because yep. it's not, we're not going to, again, we're not going backwards here on this one. Yeah. And I like the idea that this idea, you know, when we talk about customer expectations here, and one of the uh, parts of that is trend there of this particular one that is highlighted in this ebook is the idea that high value tasks mm. should be the focus. John, yes, you kind of hit it right. at this of like, yeah. hey, what, you know, 
how are you how are you making sure that the most important parts of your business, which let's be honest, at the end of the day, is making sure that the product that a customer wants gets into their hands mm-hmm. and into their possession as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. What can you be doing to maximize that and make sure that the the highest possible value task is being is 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 being prioritized? That's to me a place where you start, you know, making sure that you've got the technology to make that happen. Mm. But I like also that you guys are talking about the the fact that you know, we're, when you when you look at retail, we're not just you know a retail store is not just hey here's what we're doing mm-hmm. in our local warehousing to get stuff into our own stores, but then you've got to deal with all these suppliers, you got to deal with all the manufacturers, no, you got to sure. deal with everything that they're doing. Right. And if you have you know, I don't, I mean, let's let's be conservative and say a hundred different manufacturers mm-hmm. that you're routinely pulling in product from, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's probably a lowball number for some of the bigger stores, but you're probably looking at up to I don't know let's say maybe 20 different ways of doing business of how they how they ship how they mm-hmm. you know to to John's point whether they are putting barcodes on everything on mm-hmm. nothing some <laughs> yeah. things RFID some RFID that has yeah. to be a logistical nightmare for mm-hmm. for the retail side of things mm-hmm. you know and we mm-hmm. we can vouch for that from as a distributor oh know, for sure that, absolutely you know, there's a reason why we exist and why VARs work with us because yep. we try to consolidate everything that the manufacturers yep. might be doing into yep. one place that makes it easy for them to understand. Right. So I, I, there's, I think there's a great, that's a great story. I think to tell, you know, as a VAR, as you're walking, you know, walking in there and talking with whatever part of the retail supply chain you're working with mm-hmm. to help them get like, Hey, everybody's got to be on the same page or something's failing somewhere. And you might find yourself on the way out, whether you're the retailer who can't get it together mm-hmm. to put stuff in people's hands or you're the, the supplier who can't get it together to get it to the retailer in time to put it in people's <laughs> hands. So. Right, right. Uh, well, then, Dean, you mentioned visibility, and we've you know, talked a lot about you know, knowing your inventory. So the next trend in this ebook that was that we're, we're talking about is the operational visibility. So ah, yes. beyond just, you know, even the, the inventory piece, but, you know, overall visibility here. So let's talk about that. Um, what challenges are we finding there? What are some critical solutions that can help with the overall operational visibility? John, you want to take that one? For the, you're talking about the warehouse, right? Yeah, I think, you know, end to end, we're, we're seeing a lot more connection between, um, you know, manufacturers or suppliers shipping to, you know, retail distribution centers or, you know, direct to store, direct to consumer. Um, and we're seeing a lot of technologies that we're able to track um, that those trucks, right? When are they going to get there? When do I need to have um, people ready at my distribution center to unload a large truck? And, and vice versa, when do I need to have people ready at the back door of the of the store to unload that truck? Because, you know, we're, we're not in winter now, but, you know, in winter, you get a lot of, you know, you get a lot of uh, snowstorms and delays and, and weather-related delays. And, and tend, to, tend to what happens is, you know, I'm going to schedule, you know, five people to be here at 10 o'clock, you know, at the back dock waiting for that truck to come in. And it's quarter after and they're still just sitting there tooling their thumbs. Well, we're starting to find that if we can bring in data feeds that know when that truck's going to get there, we can use task management to reallocate those resources until that truck is actually going to be there. And, you know, vice versa, you know, how do we how do we um, make a, a user or a customer's associate more efficient by if they're walking by a particular area and they're going to be setting something down, you know, or placing something on the shelf and there's an order that needs to be picked, you know, two two shelves over. Why can't they pick that up at the same time? So kind of task interleaving, you know, not only at the store, but I think also at the distribution center where let's say I pick 10 items and that last one, it also says, hey, do a cycle count on the next item over. You know, some of that task interleaving is, is where we're seeing a lot more benefits of how do we 
make those workers more efficient to make sure again that we know our product is and we know how much we have and it's accurate because at the end of the day um, management has to make decisions on the data that they have in front of them so if the data is correct good decisions get made if it's not bad decisions get made and tend to you know bad things start to happen john and i have done a, a number of warehouse assessments recently and we've been going through and talking to the warehouse people. And one of the things that they're telling us is they really need to look at where they can automate because they do have fewer people in the warehouse, but they also need to do more in those warehouses. They're pushing more product to the warehouse and they're trying to get uh, their efficiency levels as high as they can. One area where they're really looking for automation is the job of the selector. And that's the person who is going in and, you know, picking that item that's going to be either put on a pallet and sent to a store or it's going to be sent directly to the customer. So there's a lot of interest in what technology is out there to help that process. The selector process in the warehouse is the one that's probably the most physically demanding and it's the one that has the highest turnover rate. So the the retailers and the warehouse people realize that and they, they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I make that job easier on my people so that they're not coming in working half a day and leaving or they're getting, you know, getting fatigued and they're just not not staying in the job? Yeah, I like that angle there, because when you think about it, 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 it there's a lot of talk around AMRs, automation mm -hmm. in the warehouse. Uh, according to a Zebra statistic that I saw, 83% of associates report increased productivity as a top benefit of working with AMRs, right? So, I mean, I think that there's 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 obviously we're, we're kind of getting over the hurdle of the cobot and working with robots and, and, and together and the overall efficiencies that that these can bring to the to the to the chain uh, is dramatic and it's it's needed, right, mm -hmm. in, in, in a lot of ways uh, that we're seeing there. You know, and I know that, that Zebra obviously got in, is getting into it with Fetch and things of that nature. Are you seeing, is that where the trend is, is going, is a certain amount of automation, uh, not just through AMRs, but also maybe speak a little bit to like computer vision and how, you know, utilizing that, because I know you guys are now have Matrox uh, uh, imaging and, and how you can kind of, you know, scope, use cameras to, to try to make more efficient use of the resources. Are you starting to see some trends happening there as well, guys? Yeah, I, I can start if that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing all these different capture technologies come into effect. And um, we actually have a maturity, warehouse maturity model that we use. And we talk about uh, basically two, two areas where we have worker-initiated transactions, which is, you know, I receive a pallet in, somebody has to make a conscious decision to either scan that pallet or enter it into the computer system so our back-end systems know we have that product and those assets to consume. But we're seeing a, such a large um, leap towards more of a sensor-based approach when you're looking at RFID. How can I use fixed industrial scanners? How can I use automation to automate some of those things? Because I have to. I don't have the people that I had before, like Tim said earlier, to throw. I don't have bodies to throw out the problem. Um, so not only is it making us more efficient, but we're seeing that part of our business grow rapidly. And I think it also, it's interesting where it really plays is in retention and recruitment at that distribution layer. So when we had these, you guys have all walked, you know, if, you, if you've been to an area where there's distribution center, you've probably seen seven along the way, you know, in that industrial park. And what happens is, you know, Bill and Sue are friends and each one of them works at a different distribution center. Well, I have Bill that works at a distribution center and has a lot of automation. 
and Sue doesn't. So they get together and talk mm-hmm. and they make the same amount, but Bill's like, oh yeah, you know, we got this great automation. I walked about a half a mile. And Sue's like, well, I just walked 20 miles today for the, for the same amount of money. So you can imagine there is a lot of competition, you know, where people are jumping for five, 10 cents an hour, but we're really seeing where they're jumping for, how do I keep my body and, no, and don't abuse my body? And, and even just the younger generation in general are really, you know, kind of naturally uh, migrating to more technology-based environments versus, you know, the old school paper and pen. We talk about that often. I'm glad you brought that up, right? Oh, yeah, like, like those that use technology or those entities that have the technology in play are more attractive to they the are. labor that yeah. is available, yeah. which is scarce to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, especially on the warehousing supply chain side. Um, well, then let's go a little let's go a little further down the rabbit hole then because that third trend that's in this ebook is all about empowering mm. employees. Then. Yeah, you right. Just kind of mentioned that, the idea of like, do you want to be an employee that is walking 20 miles a day because your mm-hmm. job is inefficient? And mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you you have to go to the same shelf five different times throughout with your the day. clipboard and yeah, exactly <laughs> to get a product. Because I like what you mentioned about that earlier. The idea of like if you're over here already picking something, and there's another order that's three orders down the right, line, right? It's going to need something that's just you know two two bins over. Yep. Why not pick both of those at once? And mm-hmm. if you don't have that operational insight, you're not going to be able to get to you that. Can't get there. So so let's talk about this the employee side of things. Then so obviously again, yeah, staffing shortages, high demand. All this stuff is affecting, you know, all kinds of warehousing and supply chain, but mm-hmm. obviously retail and, and warehouses, back rooms as well. So how do we make their jobs easier? What else can we do to compensate for these labor issues? What Talk a little bit about some of the solutions that are getting getting us there. Maybe dive a little deeper than what we have already. Well, I th- I'll start with this one, John. I think what we're seeing is um, you need to give associates tools and you need to give them tools that, that will allow them to do their jobs better and to be more efficient. You also need to give them tools so that they feel that they're part of the team. And if you think about it, if you decide that half the warehouse is going to get some sort of a mobile device or some sort of a, a, a tablet or something, and yet the other half isn't, well, the other half is the B team. And you know they, they can go somewhere else to get on the A team. So that's one of the things you need to think about is, you know, how, how do you you know, give everybody the tools they need and then make them feel that they're part of a team, that they want to stay there. That's one thing. The other thing is, um, and we hit on this earlier, take away the tasks that aren't the real high value tasks from the associates. Give, Give those tasks to the AMRs. Give those tasks to some sort of automation that can do it. Because the reality is that if your job in the warehouse is to walk around and pick up trash all day and a robot can do that, let the robot do it. You know, give that associate something, something. And and as as funny as it seems, there are warehouses where that's the job of somebody eight hours a day. They're pulling, pulling trash out of out of a bin and, and putting it into the dumpster. So you know things like that, which you know we we look at it and we say, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But then when you go into a warehouse and you see that you know they're struggling with this, and that they're struggling with retaining associates, those are the things that I think the um, not only the warehouse, but all, all of retail needs to figure out, you know, how, how do we give the associates the tools they need to make them more, more productive and make them feel that they're part of a team? Yeah, and, and I think that's a great, you know, a great wrap up is, you know, giving each, each user the tools that they need. And, and the, the Dunninger trash removal is an interesting place where we, you know, we talked about the worker-initiated transaction and, and sensor base. And kind of in the middle is where customers are like, 
all right, I need to dip my toe in the water to kind of get my head wrapped around these technologies that we've been discussing. And trash removal from a robotic standpoint is a perfect low risk, easy, you know, low hanging fruit exercise where we see a lot of our customers start because the robot base is moving a Gaylord around, but that same robot base can move a cart, it can move different things. So it allows the customer to, you know, to get that first, you know, couple of robots in, you know, it's a low risk thing. It's a cost, you know, cost efficient and it helps them, them and IT get their head wrapped around what that means. And, um, you know, I've been in logistics, you know, 20, 25 years. And um, before I came and I actually worked for a partner for Zebra before I came to Zebra, I knew about RFID, but I never saw it. And until I saw it, it didn't start really clicking. And I think that's where our, you know, the leadership that we talked to in the supply chain have been doing the same thing a lot of times in the same company for the last 20, 25 years or longer. So they know what they know. And, um, you know, you have to give them the option to, um, you know, not stick their necks out, but give them something that they can start with that's low risk. And again, let them get their heads wrapped around it. And then all of a sudden, all these, you know, ideas start going and that deployment starts getting much broader. I love that crawl, walk, run. You know, start off yep. with a little, you know, just, just dip your toe in the robotics exactly, side, right? Yeah. You know, solve a small problem. To solve a with, small yeah. problem. And I think that that's why, you know, when you think about Zebra and how they're enabling resellers to start to grow their business into the robotics field, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we've got a tremendous partner base out there that is adapted ADC and, and things of that nature. But how do we also enable them to start getting into that? And, and this is going to be the way to do that. Uh, another area that I would, you know, that I'm, curious to see continue to grow is is the wearable side right so the actual worker how do you make them even more efficient through through such things as ring scanners and stuff like that i mean this is the type of technology getting back to the the analogy of bobby and sue you know both working for dc's well i got this old janky whatever the scanner <laughs> yeah. you had 20 yeah, years the, ago <laughs> this giant you know, clanky right. engine one yeah whereas you know the the other dc's probably that has more automation more you know resources or tools Tools like ring scanning and stuff like that, that's going to be more attractive, yeah. right? That's yeah. going to be a more attractive place for especially the younger generation to work. Oh, definitely. And I mean, let's be honest, we, we, you know, we've we been hearing for quite some time horror stories about working in yes. warehousing and retail, yeah. or, or, or not just retail warehousing, any kind of re warehousing. You know, there was a lot of a lot of scrutiny on Amazon for a mm -hmm. while. It still is mm -hmm. out there, you mm -hmm. know, of practices with their employees. And, and again, I think as, as we recognize that more and more companies – are going to have to adopt something akin to the Amazon model of the sense of like, hey, we've got to make sure that we're fulfilling these orders and fulfilling customer needs as fast as possible. But if you want to do that while also acknowledging, like, I want to treat my employees fairly and yeah, and, right. and, and or enable them, them and, yes. and enable yep. them however mm -hmm. I can, empower them to do these jobs too. Like that's where on the SMB side of things, some of the smaller, you know, local or regional, you know, uh, distributors and suppliers can make their mark and become more attractive and draw people away from some of those giant warehouses by being able to say, hey, come over here yeah, right. and uh, we're not going to treat you the way, you know, maybe you feel like you're being treated un unfairly mm. or poorly over there because we're going to empower you. And it starts with technology. Yeah. Uh, Mobile the technology. We, the way we get into nature. the door yep. here. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, for sure. So I guess that's, that's all very good stuff and, and, and a huge important part of the uh, the process is 
helping those employees out, man, rather the front and back of the house, especially oh, yeah. when it comes to anything related to your inventory and your products mm-hmm. and moving them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this is good stuff. Um, and, and as I mentioned, this is all kind of comes uh, from an ebook that Zebra has put together about retail warehousing fulfillment. Um, if you do want to see more of that ebook, and I do recommend checking it out because there's a lot more information uh, about uh, you know the these particular trends. Yep. Some more suggestions about the technology that can get you there. Yep. Yep. There's some great statistics that you're going to want to look through, and there's a lot yep. of links that click out to some studies that Zebra has done around and these. videos, videos, yep. some mm-hmm. actual case studies out yep. there. Really good stuff. So check out in the show notes. If you don't typically go there to look for the stuff we talk about, this is one that you're going to want to go find it. There's a mm-hmm. link there to get you to where you can download that ebook. So I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, before we get to our value to the VAR segment, I want to, as always, thank our sponsors on the Tech Connect Indeed. podcast. Uh, I'll single out Zebra today. We appreciate Zebra has been very supportive of this podcast from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, with you know the, uh, the funding for us for the Tech Connect program, yep. the podcast in general. Great subject matter experts. Exactly. Yes. Lending us smart, cool people like John and Tim to come on and talk about these subjects with us. Uh, so, you know, we if you're interested uh, in uh, you know learning more about the podcast, mm-hmm. if you want you know to tell us a little bit more about what's going on, we we need to hear from you. We you want, can drop us a line. We want reviews. Can, yeah, yeah. Like and subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you watched there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, just uh, drop a comment yep. for us. You know, just let us know there what you go. think of this episode. Send in your ideas also. We need to know what sure. you want to hear about on the show. So, again, if there's a particular path we went down today that you would like to, for us to maybe talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. in depth, mm-hmm. maybe you say, hey, you know what? I want to spend a little more time talking about operational visibility. Yep. Fine. Let us know. We will find someone that can come in and, and, and have an entire episode about just that aspect of, of yeah warehousing or retail in particular. So, But you have to tell us, again, there's always a link in the show notes too to let us know about that. If you send in a topic to us, even if we don't use it, we're going to send you a Tech Connect podcast Fabulous t-shirt. t-shirt. That's right. Summer's coming. Yeah. It's getting warm. Oh, it's here. It's hot. Nice, it's already hot. You need shirt. a t-shirt. Is, yes. Yeah, exactly. You need a new t-shirt. You need a new t-shirt. So send us those ideas in and we'll get those out to you. And as always, if you want to reach out to us directly, you can find us on Twitter at Tech Connect Pod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. First of all, with our value to the VAR, I wanted to give a little bit of a takeaway for our audience and mm-hmm. kind of figure out if they're wrapping their minds around all this and thinking, mm-hmm. hey, I'm playing in the the warehousing retail space and I, I know that there's opportunity out there. So for VARs that are currently working with those with retailers, uh, either the retailers themselves or supply chain you know, customers that service retail, what kind of questions do you think they should be asking about right now? Where should they be going to find out where these pain points are to figure out where some of the fulfillment solutions we've discussed today might fit into their business? Yeah. I mean, so we can work with, um, through our partner, our, you know, partner channels and we can actually, you know, talk and have either, you know, virtual meetings with them or if we, um, if, you know, this is more of a strategic initiative with a customer, you know, it's something that we could possibly do an onsite you know, walk through and really have a good conversation within the environment. Yep. Good probing questions. Oh, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead, Tim. Yep. Yeah. The, the other thing that I'd encourage them to do is what we're finding is that the retailers are starting to make more investments in the supply chain. And I think they realize that, you know, it's an area that they perhaps haven't invested as heavily as they should have. And many of them are behind the times, So they're making significant investments. And what I would encourage the, the VARs to do is get with the Zebra account managers, identify somebody in the supply chain area of a customer, 
and just go in and start to have some initial conversations with them about, you know, what are some of your strategic initiatives? Where are the areas that you're looking to improve the efficiency of your warehouses? Are there areas that you would, are feeling pain that you think you need to address? Are you being told by senior executives that you need to fix this? So those types of questions and what we're finding, and as I mentioned, John and I have been working on a number of warehouses recently where we've together you know, done warehouse assessments. And the people inside the warehouse are very willing and interested in talking to you. And they're excited to see you. They're excited to share. So it's been a, a great opportunity. And I think there's tremendous opportunity to sell some, uh, some good business in there. Agreed. There's 165 billion packages that are shipped via retail. You Just know, 165 it, billion? Yeah, yeah, in the U.S. Uh, alone. So, you know, it, it, it's that understanding or just having the conversation. We always advocate going in, having a conversation mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. you know, what the, what the end user is trying to accomplish or are they aware of some of these things as well, which is why I think reports like this are so helpful. It, it can kind of frame out and maybe, they're, you know, they're, these are busy people too, right? They're just trying to get product off the shelf and they're getting hammered by uh, different things, especially in the retail space, you know, informing them of some of these trends and what's happening and the fact that you're competing with the Amazons of the world that are, by the way, processing 66,000 orders an hour in the U.S. I mean, that's a behemoth, right? So you need you need technology to help you stay relevant yep. uh, so that you can be uh, there. So you have inventory visibility so that you're enabling the associates and the labor that you can get, uh, enabling them in, in, in ways that are meaningful full to the business, right? Yeah. You got to have those conversations. Yeah, definitely. And I'll add on something we were you know, hinting at earlier and talking about is the idea of solving small problems. Where if you're mm. if you're working with someone who maybe feels like, hey, I you know, I don't know about all this new technology. We got mm-hmm. a business to run. I'm too, we're too busy. I don't know that we can disrupt operations to incorporate some of this stuff. Right. Find some Classic. small problem that you can fix. You yeah. Know, the, yeah. the garbage thing. It's one of those things I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that. But like right. if you figure that out and realize like, mm-hmm. okay, you've got someone who's devoting all their time to going and picking out garbage or some other kind of task that could potentially be automated and then put that person to work somewhere else, you know, and, and find something better for them to do in a different, mm-hmm. a different It's more job. meaningful. Yeah, it makes exactly. the whole operation the, more efficient. The yeah. high value task, yep. whatever. Yep. If you can do that, great. Because I think if you... I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sales one-on-one thing. If you can solve a small problem for a customer that, you know, starts you off on the path of trust in a relationship mm. that when there's bigger problems that they think you might be able to help them out with, it'll get you there too. Yeah, but in this away. case, it, you know, as, as John noted earlier, the, you know, the robotics aspect here in particular, you know, if, if you were solving that small problem with robotics, then maybe later you point out and say, hey, how was that going for you? Oh, really good? Great. You've, you, that's not something that someone's wasting eight hours a day doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wouldn't you like to maybe do something like that with XYZ parts of your business as mm-hmm. well? Because mm-hmm. robotics could do that too. Right. So yeah. you're just kind of moving that direction. Well, and that takes understanding that whole paradigm, right? It does. Where things are going and, and that kind of thing. So being an educated solutions integrator is key to that. Exactly. And I think yeah. the other part too, if you want to find small problems to solve, talk to the workers and employees <laughs> and associates <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Go into the warehouse like yeah. these guys did, right? They will tell go you. Have they're, the conversation. They're not going to be, just like you said, how they might be chatting you know, over a beer somewhere right. that, you know, about what's going on one warehouse versus another, right. they're not going to be shy probably to tell no. you either. They'll tell no. you what's going They'll on. They'll tell you. 
yeah. the problems. And and when you get that kind of information, that's great stuff that you can then take to the managers and, For sure. and owners. The and decision say, makers. Yeah, yes. exactly. Dun, dun, and say, dun. hey, look, I talked to some folks. They're not happy about this. <laughs> if you don't fix it. Here's the plan. And, and automate it in some way, they're probably going to go elsewhere. So there's no the plan. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Let's wrap up, as always, with what's tech connecting with you. This is uh, our yes. favorite segment. We get to talk about something fun from the world of science, mm-hmm. tech, innovation, mm-hmm. business, whatever we feel like chatting about today. So I'll start with you guys. Tim, we'll let you kick this one off. What's tech connecting with you right now? Ah, uh, that's <laughs> that's a good question. I, I guess with me, the thing that's connecting is just automation. And I've never seen automation move at the pace it's moving and be in so many different areas. And that automation is not just robotics, but and I, I hesitate to say this because it's become a bad a bad word, but AI and you know what's happening with AI and the the rapid pace of acceleration and as I think about the next three to five years, how many new jobs will be created that aren't around today and what will those jobs look like? So you, you start to look at the, as I mentioned, the rapid acceleration of automation in general. And, and I find that exciting. John, yeah. what about you? Agreed. What's tech connecting with you? You know what? Um, Tim and I travel a lot. We fly a lot. Um, normally it's, you know, one or two nights. So I'm usually carrying my stuff on, right? My bag on. Um, but when I have to check my bag, you know, you have that anxiety. Did my bag make it on? And, um, you know, I, I, I happen to be with an airline primarily here in the Detroit, flying in and out of Detroit that uses, you know, I'm going to use the RFID thing that uses RFID on those baggage tags. And on my app, it tells me when the darn thing got loaded on the plane, you know, and, and when it's going to, when it's going to appear at the carousel, um, that technology is something that, that hits home to me. And, and really is a differentiator in what airlines I choose to fly on. So I think, you know, where technology really, you know, hits home and causes me to make decisions about what provider I go to is really what I think, you know, what this whole thing has been about is, is how do we make the technology relevant and not just simply pushing, you know, scanners and printers and all these things which are relevant, but how do we make sure that the solution meets the needs of what the customer is and how does that help them within the marketplace? So. Those are kind of things I get excited about. I'm with you. I love the, the the luggage tracking as well. That it is fantastic. It does lower your anxiety. However, <laughs> I was sitting at an airport, at Atlanta, and one of the bags fell off of one of the carts and was sitting there woefully, just oh, in, like no. in the middle of nowhere. And for about <laughs> two minutes, because they're really good at Atlanta airport, for about well, maybe not even that long, maybe a minute. You just had this one luggage. I can just imagine the person on their app like, "Where's my luggage? Oh, it's sitting on the." Tarmac. Middle of airfield one, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the best way to get to it. Oh uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Find an emergency route. exit door, run for your life, yeah. grab the bag, get route back. My yeah. thing there. So so John, you haven't had the incidents where your luggage ended up in like Bora Bora and, and it's like, oh well, I can track it, I see where it is, but it's nowhere near me. That hasn't yeah, happened yet. Would, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. What's All right. So, did you, you, I'm sure you saw this headline: Google makes text to music AI public. So, you know, of course, AI has been in the music world, right? And right, there's and right. the lawyers are already they're having. By the way, the lawyers are having a really hard time oh, keeping up sure. with AI so, and there's gonna music. There's going to be, I promise you, Harvard Law within oh, the next year is going to have like an sure. AI law course at oh, some point. 100%. So Google released this music LM, which is, uh, you know, you can just, you can put in text like soulful jazz music for dinner party. Bloop. 
it'll start playing or it'll manufacture something right, that right. or create an industrial techno sound that is hypnotic. Right. I, I would do something like that. And it'll it'll start creating those those songs for you. These are by the way now being called home tracks. I didn't know if you home realize tracks, that yeah. like if you generate Oh, yeah, I guess uh, your so. own yeah. music. It's okay. called a home track, uh, which is apparently having multiple issues as well. And, and here, where I wanted to dive into, one of the legal people that it, you know was started out as an intern, blah blah blah. He's now kind of in the legal community. He argues that AI music generated from things like music L- uh, LM violate music copyright by creating a tapestry of coherent audio from the works that are uh, ingested in the training right, of that. Right. right, and I get it, but you got to stop whining. I came from a band, and look, how does a band come up with their sound? They imitate yeah. other bands. I mean, so that, there's, 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 it's not like there's no way there's you're going to no stop that. Original music. There's anymore. no original. It hasn't changed, right. right? Led Zeppelin was trying to imitate the blues, you know, uh, right, folks, right. and it's just like you can't stop that. So anyway, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Well, now even that's gotten down to the yeah. AI level. I'm always amused by those lawsuits that pop up where some artist is like, "Oh, they stole my, yeah, they my stole sound. my, yeah." And right. it's always some like random obscure person that you probably never did hear of before. <laughs> or a one hit wonder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the assumption that, you know, that a superstar was had found their music and just stole it from them or whatever and yeah. tried to make it their own. When in reality, like maybe they did hear it, but it's also entirely possible that they just maybe. happened to have created yeah. something that sounds the yeah. same, you know. Now so. as a musician, I want to try to use it, but apparently there's a wait list to get onto this music uh, LM as they all thing. Are right so now, once know. I get in though, I'm gonna start playing with, right. you know, words and I expect and see what our, it creates. Some of our marketing meetings, you know, you usually have some music <laughs> playing. So have I'll some, generate have some home own. tracks. Yeah, yes, yes. Dean Reverman home tracks. Absolutely. So, so what's tech connecting with you? Uh, all right. So here's an interesting um, little thought piece and study that came out. It actually came out of Sweden. Um, uh, and this is one of those things where some folks might say, aha, this is why we shouldn't work from home. And some folks might say, like, ah. aha, this is why it still doesn't actually matter where you work. Got it. Uh, so they did a study about traffic and how the sounds of traffic influence our work and, okay. and what kind of work we're able to get done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say, you know, I'll get to that in a moment. Like, this feels like a very uniquely European and mm. Swedish kind of study to do. <laughs> Because I just feel like in America, people would just be like, so what? Traffic. You know, yeah. it happens. Yeah. So, okay. So basically, all they found out was essentially that even slight noise increases can disrupt cognitive functions. And I think the statistic they had out or the, the, the noise level they had highlighted was something like 40 decibels. It said, so what is unique about our study is that we are able to demonstrate a decline in performance at noise levels as low as 40 decibels. Holy moly. Now, here's the kicker, though, which corresponds to the regular noise level in an office environment or a kitchen. 40 dB. Okay, right. got it. So to me, like, it almost kind of feels like they're saying, like, okay— even the normal offices that we were working in when we couldn't work from home had a had baseline noise, noise. Had noise levels that were kind of disrupted to cognitive functions anyway. Okay. So like, <laughs> I look at that as kind of like, well, then is there actually a perfect place to work that you wouldn't have this other than mm. a sensory deprivation tank or something, maybe, you know, like. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, putting people uh, in a sound tube and an anode yeah, chamber where there's no sound. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, you just can't do that. But there's a couple of things they did point out, which I did find interesting. They said that close passing traffic is particularly troubling. So, you know, the mm-hmm. like traffic noise that's kind of sure. at a distance in the background, yeah. people can adjust to that. It just becomes background noise that no one's really paying attention to. Yeah. But, you know, when a giant truck is driving by your oh, house, sure. or a train, that can be, yeah, or something, a train like that. something like that can be a little more problematic. And also, apparently, that reduced speeds actually make it even worse. 
So if you're in a neighborhood that's got like speed bumps and trying to yeah. jump, make people slow down, that's even worse because there's more time that that sound is moving by <laughs> you. You can't win. And you can't right. <laughs> win out of that. So, so I, if I have a house in the suburbs on a slow street, yeah, yeah with a truck you know, going by slowly. Exactly. But yeah. they did also know that they, they were talking about it in Sweden, but I think this is very relevant in this the U.S. This does sound like a European it study, does. by the way. This does 100%. feel very relevant in the U.S. and other places, too, is that housing now is being built in such a way where the distance from your house to the road is shorter than ever. Mm. And I can't, I will agree with that. I think yeah. back to some childhood homes I lived in where I had a backyard that was as big as, or a front yard that was as big as sprawling as a back might have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah, Plenty yeah. of room to go out there and play. That's and not now, the case anymore. Like, no. you know, we just, yeah. we just built a new home a few years back and yeah. it's definitely, you know, it's a much, much shorter. Yep. I have almost as much room in the front as the backyard. Like mm-hmm. It's about this mm-hmm. almost equal amount of space yeah. to the yeah. road. Right. You know, and, and I've got like construction and stuff going on nearby too. But I will just say, I'm someone who sticks some earbuds in. Like when I'm working, that's I, self-induced. I don't, yeah, I don't worry about the traffic sound because I'm putting earbuds in and listening to music or podcasts yeah. or something yeah, to do, yeah, yeah. you know, to to zone out the outside noise. I just it doesn't really bother me that much. But again, maybe this is something that elsewhere is more problematic than it is here, or I that we in America just don't care enough. Well, to, see, John's to worry about John's it. close to Detroit. That's you know, that's a lot of industry and stuff like go, that. Yeah. It's not quiet around there, is it? Well, actually, I'm about an hour, and I live on I live in an acreage, so I'm in about as quiet. There you go. Same. All right. There you go. Oh, there but you go. wait a minute. Do the nature sounds then bug you? Are do those get you know hearing the birds in the background no. and stuff like that? No. There you, <laughs> there you go. See, I, so whatever. It, this isn't that disrupting. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it really is a problem for you, go find yourself an acre of land to live yeah. on or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that, that's nowhere near a road, so it's not a for problem sure. for you. Yeah, for so. sure. All right, that's what's teching. Easy for you to Man, say. Man, yeah. you'd think after this many podcasts, I could say teching correctly. <laughs> that is what's teching with us. Uh, John, Tim from Zebra, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Guys. We appreciated having you on the show. Uh, until next time, unfortunately, it is time for us to unplug. But, um, you know, go uh, slap some tags on your luggage and yeah, yeah. track it to, for, into Bora Bora or the middle of a <laughs> runway. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know, put some thicker windows up so you don't hear the traffic outside. Bingo. And as always, folks, please stay connected. This episode of the Technic Podcast was brought to you by Zebra. All right, Dean, uh, workforce connection. Yes. Getting your workforce connected. I think it's yes. kind of, you know, part of what we talked about today. Yes. You know, empowering employees. Well, if you have a workforce, you want them connected. Yeah. Do you not? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, it probably isn't too helpful if they're all just scattered about and nobody has a clue Unconnected. anyone else is doing. Yeah. <laughs> Meandering, wanders. <laughs> you probably don't have a business. That's, that's, just, uh. that's just people in the middle of a field at that point. <laughs> well, Workforce Connect, powered by Zebra Savannah, delivers on the promise of a truly unified enterprise device allowing users to add powerful voice and messaging features to Zebra mobile computers. Nice. With services such as push-to-talk, text messaging, and the ability to enable a Zebra mobile computer to also function as a mobile PBX, desk PBX, try saying that to me. Yeah, really? Desk phone. Uh, workers can perform all tasks on just one device, fully enabling the integration of voice and data workflows and reducing the number of steps required to complete just about any task. Boom, Again, right there you go. Absolutely. Why make someone walk so many extra steps? You know, Sally over at Warehouse A is going to say, well, I've got my Workforce Connect enabled device here that I yep. don't have to walk 6,000 steps to do one task like you do over at Warehouse 
B. Sally is enabled. That's right. That's right. Modular and customizable, users can deploy the features they need today. Easily add features to meet new business needs for tomorrow and customize the experience for the specific needs of workers. To learn more about Workforce Connect powered by Zero Savannah, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star representative. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Elo. Built with versatility in mind, Elo Edge Connect offers a wide assortment of peripheral options for your digital display. Another Connect option. Yes. Connecting displays and yes. stuff to the Versatile displays, displays. Yeah. yes. Versatile. There you mm. go. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, whether for endless aisle, self-order, or collaboration, you can seamlessly attach up to four peripherals to the touchscreen edge with flexibility to add, remove, or change later as needed. Up That's, to four peripherals? Yeah. Like what? Like, what, 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 what are you talking about? Oh, oh, you want some? You want a list here? Oh, I need a list. I got a list for you. We got temperature sensors. There, okay. We got status lights. Nice. We got 3D or conference panels. Oh. We've got barcode scanners. Yeah. We got card readers, collaboration tools, payment cradles. Holy moly. Is that enough for you, That's Dean? enough. That's enough. All right. If you can't find peripherals can do a to lot meet with that. any customer needs from that list, you just aren't trying at this point. <laughs> I mean, come on. What you else? are not truly what, a solution What else do you want? You want a robotic arm or something yeah, here exactly. to push the Ooh, buttons for hey, you? I like that idea. Yeah, I don't know. we'll have to put that in the suggestion box over to Elo. <laughs> Modular robotic. At which point arm. they probably go, "Oh, it's those Tech Connect guys." <laughs> Delete. It's John uh, and Dean again. <laughs> to learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star account manager.